0: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Today's guest is Mr. Andreas Guerrero. He is the owner and proprietor and curator of the Guerrero Gallery in San Francisco, California. He's also an artist himself. Uh, We met around 2006 and have kept in touch ever since. Um, He sat down with me via Skype from his studio. We talked martial arts, mind and body. The Raiders, The Gallery, Roles We Play, Graffiti, Next Generation, Art Crimes, Finding Truth, Tribal Communities, The Name Guerrero, Public Service Announcement, Instant Society, and The System. Unfortunately, Andreas' internet connection cut out towards the end of the interview here. Um, We were starting to get into some really interesting topics, uh, so I'm going to try to have him back on the show here uh before too long and see if we could finish up the interview but we got a good 45 minutes so it's a it's a pretty it's still in depth um but unfortunately we didn't get a sort of finish the topic that we were ending on i think i think this is a good interview for artists who are trying to see what it's like from a gallerist standpoint if you want to sort of see the other side of the fence in this art world scene like what it takes for a gallery to be ran i think it's it's always interesting to to see a a world from a different perspective. And I've done it myself in terms of running a gallery and seeing what what the other side of this business is like, not just the art making side. So make sure you go check out my website, mikemaxwellart.com and click on the blog. You'll get all the information on all the guests who have been on the show and all the links and, and whatnot. You can also click on the PayPal link over there and donate to the show if you feel so inclined to do so. Um, any donations are extremely appreciated i'm going to start plugging my upcoming solo show here in san diego coming up on may 20th Uh, i'm doing a a show at the subtext gallery in little italy just across the street from the casbah Um, the show is called extra sensory i'm going to have a bunch of new work and i'm really excited to do another big solo show in san diego so make sure you look out for that um i'll be plugging all that stuff on the website and the blogs and all that goodness as it as it gets closer so with all that said ladies and gentlemen without further ado mr andreas guerrero yo brother
1: yo what up, man? How are
0: you? what's up my man how are you
2: all right we got all good. We're audio good. Yeah, um, sound looks good. Um, so what's up with you? How you
0: been? I've been great, man. Working my butt off. I um, <laughs> I just started doing uh, mixed martial arts stuff. I just started doing jujitsu and uh, kickboxing and muay thai. Oh shit! And getting He's my like... ass kicked, but I've been uh, I've been learning a ton and getting super strong and shit. Pretty
2: intense i said
0: that stuff gets pretty intense oh yeah dude it's probably the gnarliest workout i've ever had like i've joined a gym before Uh and i've not worked out nearly as hard and just like just in the calisthenics and then just the way like like wrestling like a 200 pound gorilla is is a serious fucking workout dude it's gnarly (laughs) (laughs) yeah no shit and kick, just kicking and punching a heavy bag is is a, a really intense workout that you, you don't really realize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we don't do that very often if we're not in that type of environment, <laughs> or getting in fights yeah, every day. Oh, um, did that? Uh, what made you? Uh, what made you want to do that? Well, <clears throat> I've uh, I've made this effort over the last two years to improve both body and mind, yeah. um, and the body thing like was getting kind of easy like i started out just doing like light exercise like jogging and doing push-ups like nothing too serious and i ended up losing I, I, I lost. i was 205 at my biggest and got down to like 170 so like 35 pounds Whoa. and uh right now i'm floating around like 180 to 185 but it's gnarly. Okay. I go into the gym and I drop two pounds just in water weight, like just in the amount of sweat, Sorry. just in one workout. So it's gnarly. So, but like at the same time, like I also have like, you know, like aggression issues and like just getting uh, impatient or you know angry about things, you know. Uh-huh. And it, it doing this is also helping me. Sort of get all that stuff intact because it's a, it's literally if you go drain all your energy in the gym in the morning, uh-huh. you don't really have energy to get angry or agitated or impatient. It helps you learn to get past that stuff. And you know, yeah, I, yeah. And also I've been practicing like some Buddhist <clears throat> techniques, and you know, I've been learning a lot from Mike Giant actually. Like yeah, as I was uh, gonna say. He and I have spent a lot of time together, and I've learned quite a bit from him in terms of like trying to get the mind in the right on the right pathway. There's this uh, this podcast I listen to called Audio Dharma, uh-huh. which is done up in, I think, in Marin County, maybe, um, just somewhere north of San Francisco. I can't remember exactly where, but it's this retreat spot where they do um, meditation, this guy Gil Franzdahl. Yeah. And they record uh these like hour long episodes of like just talking about like day-to-day life, like dealing with the stresses of everything. Yeah. You know, and then relating it to Buddhism, you know, cuz they they're all Buddhists obviously. But it's been it's been real helpful. So it's all a big part of like I really do it feels like just a part of becoming more of a man to be honest with you. Gotcha. And uh you know, it's a I'm I'm building muscles I've never I've never had before. <laughs> Both, you know, sort of metaphorically and physically. Thanks for taking the time to do the show, dude. I appreciate it. Oh, of course, man. Let's oh. talk about you instead of my nonsense. For a while. <laughs> um, I, usually,
2: I usually talk about
0: other stuff because it's not much to talk about on my end. I'm sure there's something in there. <laughs> Especially rocking the Raiders cap today. I you I to breaking break it up. Oh, sorry. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, did, uh, I said you're, you're rocking the Raiders cap today, the OG LA Raiders cap, or right, did, did you grow up in San Francisco? Or are you from California?
2: I grew, yeah, I grew up in Watsonville. Um, it's, it's like an hour and a half South of uh, San Francisco. That's where I learned to love the Raiders. <laughs>
0: well, <you> know, <laughs> Raiders are uh, the, I just had, uh, Sam Tripoli, who is a stand-up comedian on the show just recently. Uh-huh. And he does this bit about, uh. Gangster's um, business suit, and it's like the full Raiders get up, and have like <laughs> if you see somebody in a Raiders jersey, you know they're shady. <laughs> <laughs> but then I've seen him in a Raiders jersey anyway, so it's like what is what are you talking about? <laughs> um, so I when uh you you're an artist and gallery owner, and yeah. a, as a gallery owner, I I assume you you. Take on all the, the curatorial responsibilities as well. Yeah,
1: I mean,
2: yeah, I actually do it all, uh, from curatorial to janitorial. So <laughs> that's pretty much what it entails here at the gallery. Um, fun job, stressful. Uh, it's it's great. It's a and it's it's amazing. You know, I get exhausted a lot, but it, it's all good. Part yeah. of the game.
0: That's um, you know, when I. I ran a gallery down here in San Diego for a while. And until you actually experience the process, you really don't have a, a, an understanding of what it's like, even for artists, you know, like who are in those environments all the time. Just if you're not on the other side of that fence, it it totally looks different.
2: Yeah, it, it really does. It's kind of interesting. I mean, it's like first starting out as an artist, um, it was fun and easy and entertaining and, You know, you start to learn some aspects of what happens in the gallery world or art world in general. Um, And then, you know, it's the growth and development that happens over the years. And like for myself, I started curating a little bit more uh, just small shows, coffee shops, sort of boutiques and whatnot. And then uh, got to learn a little bit more that that way. But then opening up the gallery um, a while back. It's a whole nother league a whole nother ball game it's it's insane uh, the level the level of work that is needed to put into it and kind of make some run from day to day operations on a full time basis is it's it's a challenge you know it's a challenge for sure
0: and it, uh, it, it's funny it, how it's hard to recognize it from the viewers' perspective
2: i I think uh, it, it it is but also that's kind of like the the, the myth, mysticism behind it the magic it's like you know people just come in and they they get to see the surface the surface value of it and see everything presented properly um but you know that's what they're here for they're here to only um view a certain aspect of what this world is about um i think that they're pretty smart for not you know getting caught up in the whole gallery system and owning a gallery and you know having to deal with day-to-day when they could just come in and view i mean i wish it was that simple like you know i could just go and view artwork whenever i wanted not shortly. that'd be amazing sure that
0: that same <laughs> analogy could be placed on making art as well because it's they got that same privilege of just coming in just looking at it after it's all been done and aren't experiencing any of that stuff that it takes beforehand even though like as artists like that's the that's the value is all that work that happens right before that but everything that happens after that is is no longer really that important (laughs) exactly
2: i think i think there's joys that we all find and we all find our roles that we play at the end of the day um it's like as an artist you're making artwork that's what you have to do and that's what you focus on and then um as a viewer or a collector that's you, you know the role you take on and you support the art community you know that and you're kind of like arm's distance and it's you get to hear more about the fun side you get to hear more about practice and process and maybe some personality traits of the artist, which is great, but you're not totally involved um, and then as a gallerist like you know it's all encompassing you know it's more it's more weight on your shoulders so but you know it's like I guess you know certain people i guess uh have roles and uh it's it's great to see and then, and then at the end of the day it's as long as you as long as you love those roles and you just do it it's that's the best way we that you know anything can happen you know that's all we ask too you know
0: yeah sure um you came up in the graffiti scene right you know is i it, did what, was um, that your introduction into making things
2: yeah I would, I would definitely say that it is um you know i did I did graffiti. I started probably back in like 91, 92 um, in a small town. And uh, so I wasn't really known. I wasn't really that good. Uh, You know, I had to work under certain limitations of, um, you know, like painting under bridges. Uh, And then bombing wasn't so much a big aspect of uh, my approach to graffiti. Um, I would do it occasionally, but not enough to get like that, like, kudos and levels of respect you know uh, by the like the real graffiti artists like sure. you know um, it was really fun it was a very like it was a very social thing for me uh, i got to know a lot of people that way got introduced to a lot of other um graffiti guys uh, a lot of other writers um they kind of paved a lot of the ways for what i do now and they provide a lot of influence uh so there's a lot of um a lot of dues need to be paid towards uh,
0: my background in graffiti because of how it got me here. Why? Yeah, it's interesting how that works. For a, I, I, assume we're a, near the same age uh, or around the same generation. A, a lot of the same like influence, like like the the early like skateboard music culture and and graffiti, like all those beginning like new things that seemed like fringe culture that had, again, like that, like what you said before, had like that mysticism behind it. Like once that, that new world opens up to you. And I actually, I just, I just interviewed, um, elbow toe and we were talking about like what street art has done to a lot of people, like in terms (laughs) of, um, and not in a negative aspect. I try, I keep the show on a positive thing. I'm not, I don't, I don't try to bag on shit too much, (laughs) but, um, you know, in, in for me, it was graffiti because graffiti was around for a long time before any sort of before the term street art even existed. But, you know, when I started seeing uh, Shepard Fairey's work in San Diego, it became like a new world that that opened up to me in that like this whole public space being used in a way that was totally different and like mystical and uh, unknown. And it it showed me that the city could be utilized in a new way. And all of a sudden, all these new environments, we become aware of them. And what that does is yeah. it, it excites us and it becomes like this game of looking for new things, for new spaces. And we become sort of hyper aware of our environments where a lot of people are just like, I'm going from here to here and I don't really care what happens from point A to point B. Yeah.
2: There's, it's a very interesting uh, perspective and actually a couple of points that you put out there are pretty pretty integral to the whole system Uh, and i guess at the end of the day it's it's a means of communication uh and whether they be be, um putting a a fresh style on it i think that's part of the whole like uh writing culture and uh graffiti culture is that a style is presented and then also trying to outdo and how you present it and you know that whole like street art movement it it brought in a whole new uh, perspective but um and the interesting thing is a lot of graffiti writers were kind of approaching <clears throat> these new means of communicating their name out there with like a certain approach to kind of get different demographics. Um, for example, back in the day in Santa Cruz, this, this writer, James, uh, he wasn't like really bombing, but what he would do is he, during election times, he would make fake campaigns that said like vote for James. Cause that's what he used to write. And, um, you know, I thought that was fucking brilliant and clever and uh, it really brought in a whole new like uh, awareness to graffiti and writing and or himself, you know, I, I thought it was like really cool. And, um, but I guess what at the end of the day is what I'm saying is uh, using the public um, street system as a means of communication is um I think historically has played a a big relevance to, to kind of like crossing over um, and and making points and kind of putting your viewpoints or even like, you know, whether it be like self-indulgent or a message politically or not, or humorous or, you know, just to kind of provide some sort of like flavor and color to the city, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. And that's sort of what it's, it's strange how it becomes like that sort of thing where it's like this inner circle. It's like this, it's this, uh, you know, I'll use some modern like internet technology. Like, it's this blog that everybody that like a certain group of people have the password to get into, or like this forum. And occasionally, new people like work outside of it and recognize it and are able to get in. And it's literally like it, it's rad that, you know, in a city for me in San Diego, it's so clean and so conservative and, and so like graffiti is swept to the side on per you know like we're it's in, intentionally covered up to yeah. pretend like the city is more perfect than it is
1: yeah.
0: and for me being in a city like that and having just we had this big street art show this summer down here and having people like somebody wrote about in like the city beat magazine like the local newspaper or like uh art and culture magazine that the, all of a sudden they look at the city in a brand new way. Like now yeah. they're looking for things like me and Mike giant talked about like the little tags that are on the manholes that have those little like plaque spots where you can yeah. do little whiteout tags or something that fit in like a perfect little frame thing that for me, like those are some of my favorite pieces in a city like San Francisco that's covered in art and graffiti and murals where yeah. you're just inundated with visual stimuli a little tag on a manhole like that could stand out it, it, there's something interesting about that yeah. and it really opens up a brand well, new think, world for I, viewers yeah i
2: think i think i mean people i think people naturally want to be engaged um there's visual dialogue out in the streets um whether they follow it consistently or maybe weren't aware of it initially that's a whole other story. But once they kind of see it, they're always intrigued. And um, I think it's kind of surprising how many people actually are drawn to stuff, uh, markings or just little words or whatever. You know, it doesn't really matter. I think people like it because it does break up their day. And, you know, some people, whatever. I mean, it's going to happen always, forever. But some people will always be point A to point B. It won't see in between. Um, But... Some others need it, you know, need that engagement, need that, um, I guess, that little surprise around the corner or on a manhole. It's just, like, it's fun, sure. you know, and I, I think uh, over the years in talking to people that maybe weren't so aware of it, uh, they, they get really excited and uh, they'll come back and tell me stories like, oh, I traveled somewhere. I saw this little sticker on, you know, such-and-such such telephone pole. It was, like, kind of crazy, you know? But it's like to them, they might not know what it is, but they're attracted to it. And there's there's a fun dialogue that they have. Yeah. So, you know, in that sense of those small things and, and kind of pushing that forward, it's, I guess, that's where we get now in a sense of maturity or, or whatnot, moving forward with that and progressing is, you know, you get like murals and, you know, it's people love that. You know, and not everybody does, but people, for the most part, do enjoy. Visual stimulation, sure, um, and um, it's it's great to get people engaged in that and uh, be very, um, I guess, make it approachable or accessible to others is is I think is key. Yeah, it's it's a dial. So
0: sure, and then there's always that flip side of the coin, which I said we do, we don't try to bag on things too much, but then sometimes people who uh, have that password to the blog get bummed that too many people joined the, uh, the forum. <laughs> well,
2: it, it becomes mainstream at some point,
0: right? Yeah. And I sometimes wonder if, if, if part of it is losing its mysticism that even for us personally, as viewers, we know like before, we, before, like when we first seen a tag or like a piece somewhere, we're like, holy shit, how did that happen? and that whole mysticism that exists behind yeah. it, once you kind of know and experience it, it it maybe it loses it, a little bit of that, that shimmer and we become sort of jaded in our own uh, mind and then projected onto the masses who have joined afterwards. I think
2: those are natural tendencies, yeah. I mean, not to be <laughs> negative, but also it's like, you know, it's also our responsibility to keep it fresh and keep it moving forward. If we feel that something's becoming a little too inundated, then why not uh, develop that system or if not create something new, that's a little bit more um, fresh and a little bit more limited. Uh, I think that's also a key role rather than just sitting back and being like, Oh, you know, fuck that, you know, it's too popular now. Um, And then also too, it's like the next generation. I mean, I'm sure they're, they're keeping up on this and they get bored fast and, they're they're coming up with ideas, which is great to see, and it's also our responsibility to nurture that and um, you know provide opportunities for them. You
0: know, so, which it's it's going to be really interesting to see where everything goes because I've been talking to a lot of artists who you know are in their thirties, early forties, maybe late twenties, and you know a lot of them didn't grow up with the internet. We didn't grow up. We had if we wanted to find artwork. You know, we saw it in like some graffiti magazines or we uh, that you got a that you stole from Tower Records or, uh, you know, juxtaposes around. But there is very few people really utilizing the internet because it just was so brand new. Now these kids are able to see the art that's being made all over the world. Everybody has a website via social media. So everyone's, everyone's stuff is out there. Before, you know you had to figure out like via zines or like different really you had to search you had to really search if you wanted to find some of this stuff if it wasn't available in your in your neighborhood like you said you grew up in a a smaller town where graffiti wasn't that prevalent Like you probably had to go find it once you found it you had to go search even further yeah now it's at at everyone's fingertips yeah it's it's definitely now it's
2: like i mean You know, it's like, I could just sit here on my computer and, uh, you know, click away and find everything that I want to (laughs) see. Um, but no, before it was very difficult. You, it was, it was, it was hunting Easter eggs and it wasn't just hunting Easter eggs. It was, it was making those Easter eggs, Uh, (laughs) you know, and, and another big aspect of it, like maybe people don't remember, but it's like, you know, uh, we used to do pen pals and trade, uh, a flicks via mail with you know people on the east coast or hawaii and uh, stuff like that and mm-hmm. you know outside of just magazines it was very more of a personal thing i guess you know i guess that's that well you did, know but did there's, you- there's positive things to um you know to to uh, the accessibility and accessibility of the internet you know
0: so sure. It I was gonna say, did you notice like when the internet first popped up that it was a lot of graffiti websites were some of like the first art websites to actually <laughs> pop up? Uh yeah,
2: like art crimes.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like art crimes, I swear art crimes was a huge uh, influence, I think. Like ninety yeah, seven I
2: mean, she, she Susan Farrell, like gosh, I remember meeting her down in Santa Cruz. Uh, back in like the late ni- like 96 97 she came in and her ideas were like in the sense of capturing this and and making it accessible were very progressive and actually it was kind of very exciting and mind you too it's like fuck i didn't even have internet at my house at the time yeah but it was still very exciting to hear what she was trying to do and not really grasp the whole idea you know it's very very intriguing
0: yeah way ahead of the, her time i didn't I, yeah. I don't know, I didn't know the woman who did it, but, you know, I was I was on the site a lot. And it seriously, like, a huge archive of of art events. It was, like, the first, like, blog that had, like, a, 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 like a, a calendar of events yeah. that were happening, you know, links to specific artists. Exactly. Way ahead of its time. And then, I think Fecal Face came in, like, right around, just after that, maybe. Like, right around that same time, and there was, it, it seemed like it was mostly like graffiti artists and people who were doing things in the street. They were actually utilizing those free like Geo City sites, and you mm-hmm. know that's it, like Shepard at the time. Like he was, he was one of the only artists that I was looking at on the internet like in 98, 99. and Human Fair. Five. A lot of people don't know who Human Five are now, which is sad. But uh, like those guys were fucking crushing it like doing like big street installations like before yeah. street art was even a thing up in canada and they were they were putting all the shit on their on their website like updating their website like once a week and always putting new shit up and it, yeah. it was great and uh it obviously everyone has that opportunity now which is yeah you know i i said it, it sort of sounds like you know oh i had to walk Uphill both ways to school in the snow and shit, but it you know I think it's great. It, it's it's opening up this culture, or this younger culture to all this information that was just difficult to find, and it shows that why only one out of three hundred kids is an artist. You know, it's like yeah. if maybe it, maybe that ratio will get 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 way down like one in fifty just because the the environment is out there. Like I talked to kids on Facebook, like some high school kids who. Who listen to the podcast and follow my work and i shoot the shit with them and it's like they're adults already (laughs) you know like it's wild and the amount of of quality information that they're that they're getting besides like the watered down censored bullshit that we were also fed at the same time you know or that we've all been fed over the last sort of 10 years but Well, I mean,
2: that goes into that whole aspect of uh, kind of putting together what um, is truth and what is false. And I mean, that's just what's the, you know, there's the pros and cons of internet, you know what I mean? But it's like, also, these kids are probably, you know, doing their homework and researching a lot more. And, uh, you know, I think that goes for anybody, we should, and, and try to find the truth behind what is actually happening. And, what is out there for us and available to us via research on the internet, you know? Um, you know, whatever, it's 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 all accessible, it's great, there's a lot of positives to it, And um, but just to see the growth, yeah, and, it, and I guess that it is, like, yeah, I'd be curious to see where it goes and how we utilize all this knowledge and accessibility. I mean, honestly, I hope it's uh, put back into education, to the education system, especially since, like, the art programs have been getting cut and shit, you know? Yeah. Um, think that's key i mean i think it's an integral um an integral like thing that we need in the school system alongside of math and science and english and reading you know sure i I think that's what we need to do is we need to take it back to the roots essentially like homegrown sort of stuff
0: well that's what it kind of feels like man like i've been talking a lot about how we're coming out of the the decade-long uh september 11th hangover the sort of (laughs) weird fog that's that had been over us for the last 10 years is finally starting to lift and it feels like the artistic community is getting back to that do it yourself like get back to your roots and and do these things on our own because i mean we're all struggling really like it's really hard to survive in the way our system is is going right now like nobody has any money everyone can't pay their bills it's tough as shit to survive so it almost feels like we have to get back to that yeah it's difficult sort of I didn't catch the last thing, Mike. I was I'm saying that uh it's it's becoming more and more difficult to survive, you know, basically. That yeah. it, we're all fucking broke. And it's uh <laughs> if uh we sort of have to get back to that um a more cohesive culture where we're all sort of diluted into our own little tight knit just with our families or our tight knit friends. Like we need to start building a uh a more tight culture and being less afraid of one another and, and less weary and untrusting. Like we need, uh, like it feels like the strong, like those bonds that were being built in the late nineties are, are sort of starting to come back.
1: Yeah.
2: I think, um, I think it's important to develop stuff off of your friend and family network. And, uh, it, it, I think it'd be surprising if we actually return turn to that system. I think historically in the States, uh, if we go to, you know, the founding fathers, I mean, their whole principle was around family and uh, the advent of technology and stuff like that kind of took that away. We're seeing that now, and uh, it's very interesting. I think I think a lot of people outside of the art world can relate to it, but um, I think that's just kind of like a common ground. Uh, it just so happens that we're, we deal with the art and, you know, uh, it's a little bit more challenging because we're dealing with luxury items sort of stuff and like people can live without it technically. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, for us, I mean, we live with it, we breathe it and that's what we know and we can't live without it. And so that's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, if, if we feel that way, you know, there's shits loads of other people that feel that way too, that they can't live without it. So that's what I'm saying. Like, Oh, we need to bring that structure back into the core system of education Um, it's integral you know what I mean like shit math ain't for everybody (laughs) English ain't for everybody Uh, but they all play a certain role in developing uh, who people are and um, you know it's like for us what we have uh, for each other yeah it's definitely like coming together and kind of putting aside our differences and or um, grudges or whatever I mean pride and all that bullshit you know, it's it's difficult though. I mean, I'm I you know I struggle with that, and um, you know, it's I, I do see the importance behind coming together more as a community, and uh, having more of a support system and kind of sharing. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a hard thing to do. It's a very humbling thing to do, but uh, I think it's needed. Sure, it you feels know.
0: like we 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 may even like have to right. move back towards a more um, tribal like living style if this sort of capitalistic formation of of or this structure that we've been experimenting with for the last 200, 150 years you yeah know, well really but about 100 years really uh, you know if if all this fails or even if we have some cra- some sort of wild fucking uh, sort of earth changing type of mentality to where you know we don't have electric power and you know we sort of have to i i have this idea of us like sort of having to revert back to sort of like caveman type mentality like living off the <laughs> land type of people because i know like for a lot of people that would just mean instant death a lot of people can't do it i have this whole apocalyptic idea of like the bums becoming kings because they know how to live off the street <laughs>
2: That would be crazy. That'd be interesting.
0: Yeah, it's that be first becoming last and last becoming first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. when You and I first met, I guess, uh, when you were running White Walls. Mm-hmm. And uh, now you, for the last, I guess, the last couple of years now, you've been doing the Guerrero gall- Gallery? Yeah,
2: so, I mean, I guess uh, you know, it was one of the co-founders of of White Walls um, about six years ago and pretty much directed the gallery space and that was fun. It was a learning experience and um, had a great time and, you know, uh, I felt that it was kind of time to move forward and, you know, with that uh, I left two years ago um, and uh, spent one whole summer looking for spaces and trying to figure out exactly what I need to do and uh, started lining lining that up and then uh, you know, March of last year opened up, uh, yeah, the new space Guerrero gallery. Um, you know, it's like, yeah, I guess too, with naming it Guerrero, it's, it's funny because it's not necessarily like a self pretentious, uh, name thing. Um, it's more about the meaning behind my last name. It's, it's, it's a family unit. Uh, I have my like blood family down in Watsonville. and You know, I see them every so often we hang out and I, I love them. I miss them, but, uh, also what it meant to me was up here, I've created a secondary family and uh, with all the artists that I work with and friends that are involved in helping, supporting um, I love that family unit. And uh, so um, that's why I decided to go with that name. Uh, But yeah, it's, it's been a fun thing and, you know, without the support of a lot of people, the shit wouldn't be happening. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. It's been, it's been a fun experience. It's like, it's been nail biting, but at the same time it's super supportive. And it's going back to that whole like family core unit, putting aside differences and working with people. <laughs>
0: yeah, for sure. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, which I you know, part of doing this podcast, like I'm really trying to get like sort of the behind the scenes story out there for like for instance with, with interviewing artists, you know, a lot of times if we if we get an interview from an artist, it's like the same sort of five questions asked in a different way that we have like these perfect five paragraphs that are sort of like the go-to answers a lot of times. Yeah. And we don't get a lot of the backstory. Um, I'm sure you become inundated with, uh, with stuff being sent in. And for instance, I, you know, I've had a lot of tattooers on the, on the, on the podcast. And Uh we talked about, um, sort of like the proper etiquette. Like if you want to get a tattoo appointment, Like what type of thing you want to do? How how do you pick the right tattoo artist? So for you as like a gallery owner and a curator, do you have like a way that you go about deciding what you're going to show, or is there like like a public service announcement that we could give to maybe some youngsters of like what what are good pathways to get your work? Sure, sure. Um, Yeah. So I mean, I guess behind the scenes and. The procedure and
2: whatnot, I guess it's kind of tricky, man. Honestly, Um, you know, I I definitely would say that I I try to be very open to uh, viewing portfolios and uh, accepting submissions. I don't ever want to say no to anybody because, you know, for myself, if I ever did stuff back in the day, I always loved it, whether... Uh, They accepted the work or not just looking at it. I think that was just a great gesture. Um, So I kind of want to extend that to people, you know, in return. Um, But as far as like being accepted nowadays, I guess what I tell people is like, hey, feel free to submit your work. Um, I'll check it out. Um, If I like it, I might get back to you. Um, I might not. And um, if I do like it and I tell you I like it, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to show you. Um, for one, the reason why is because um, I might like it, but I still feel that they're young. Um, I might like it, but I might not be able to do anything with their work because the programming is different uh, from their style. Um, secondly, they might be Better than what I present here. I don't. I don't. You know what I mean. So it's there's a lot of factors and um, things to consider in working with somebody. You know. Um, so it's and then sometimes it's just challenging because I might want to work with somebody, but I don't know where to fit them in into the program or who alongside next to. Um, you know, is it is it integral to the rest of the artists? Is it sustaining? What they believe in. Um, am I maintaining a certain caliber of, you know, work ethic and presentation? Um, there's a lot of things really to really to take into uh, consideration in offering someone to work with. And also, too, is like, I mean, shit. You know, I feel bad about this, and it's a hard thing. It's a it's a song and dance that I have to play. But you know, I like a lot of artists' works, but I might not show them. You know, and there was a lot of people in the past that I worked with that, you know, at Walls, and I don't work with them now. Um, and it's something that I'm kind of torn with. And, but at the same time, at the end of the day, it's like, I'm really trying to develop my program and take it forward. And I would hope that people would understand that and, you know, be supportive of that. And I think for the most part, people are, um, but it's a challenge, you know, it's a, it's a very, very, big challenge. You know, it's like, I have friends that I don't show anymore and, you know, I see them and I talk to them and it's, sometimes it's like, shit, man, it feels weird and awkward, you know, that's, I think that's just on my part. Um, So, yeah, it's, it's just different. It's, it's hard, it's challenging, so. Yeah. And there's, there's, people want to show, people want to have art shows and and I, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a supporter of that, but yet at the same time I'm a hypocrite because I'm not showing everybody, you
0: know. Yeah, there's a there's only only so much time in the day, and only so much wall space available, and yeah, you know, a lot of people don't realize how far ahead shows are booked, like how how much planning goes into that twenty one day uh, exhibition. You know, like each one is planned almost a year ahead of time, but, you know, and sometimes even more than that. Yeah,
2: I mean, there's a lot of planning, but also there's a lot of planning on the artist. And and it's not like, you know, this, my space here, the new space is 3,000 square feet. I mean, that's really demanding. So it's not like every artist can really go ahead and take that challenge on, even with a year, um, to really put forth a really strong body of work that makes sense, that also is really representational of themselves, and also is very uh, challenging to the viewer and to themselves. Um, you know, it's, you, you have to be on point, you know, and uh, it, it does take work from both parties, and, uh, you know, some people are up for the challenge, and there's, you know, the thing is, too, is it's like, there's also this whole, like, preparatory system before you even show it here, it's like, you know, are you, are you an artist that waits for a phone call to do a show? Are you the artist that's proactive and has shows lined up for the next two years to work their way in, to show the confidence and work ethic that we want to all believe in? There's a lot of things that, that play a major role in you know, this whole process and work and setup. You know, it might not just be a year to set up a show here it might be, you know, the five years that you've been doing stuff or 20 years that some artists have been, you know, working on their career for. So it's, it all, it all
0: varies. Which, you know, I think is important for a lot of young artists to understand, you know, particularly in this, like everything right now, sort of culture where it's just like, everything is instant. Yeah. You know, a lot of people expect it's, it. It's, it's very,
2: it's very instant nowadays. And I guess I could speak for myself coming as an artist as well. Um, You know, I first started doing little coffee shop art shows and you little small things, and,
0: you know. We lost him. Darn it. Well, having a hard time getting back in touch. Looks like Andreas' internet went out. And you'll probably have heard it sort of glitching a little bit during the interview there. He was breaking up a little bit. We'll see if he comes back on. If not, I think the interview was going well. I know he sounds like he has a busy day today, too. Maybe we'll have to get him back on the show. Well, it looks like that's it for the interview. Um, I think Andreas's internet went down. He's not getting back on Skype. Part of the... We should... But we talk about technology so much, it decided to bite us in the ass. I figured we probably would have started to talk about the future there. He was getting ready to run in a minute. So let me get Andreas' um, information out there. If you want to check out his gallery, his gallery is called Guerrero Gallery. You could see their website at guerrerogallery.com. It's G-U-E-R-R-E-R-O gallery.com. You should know how to spell gallery. But one more time, Guerrero, G-U-E-R-R-E-R-O, gallery.com. And if you want to check out uh, the work that he does, we didn't get to talk that much about his his personal artwork, but um, he makes these really cool collages, paper collage, painting, mixed media pieces with currency. Um, check out his website. It's AndreasGuerrero.com. It's A N D R E S G. U-E-R-R-E-R-O.com And he also does a blog called 48HoursInADay.com You can check out all that stuff. And um, if you're in the San Francisco area, make sure you check out his his gallery and uh, all the amazing artwork that he shows there. Hopefully we'll try to get him back on the show. Why is it so
1: fucking loud?
0: So hopefully we'll get him back on the show and uh, we could finish our discussion. I hope you enjoyed it.
1: No live and die in L.A. No matter what you yeah. say about Los Angeles, it's still the only place for me. It never rains in the To live and die in L.A., where every day Try to fatten our pockets. Us niggas hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock. Everybody got their own thing, coming, see, chasing worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces, shed tears as we bury niggas close to heart. Uh, or was a friend that a ghost in the dark? Cold part about it, nigga got smoked by a fiend. Trying to floss on him, blind to a broken man's dream. A hard lesson, court cases keepin' guessing. Flea bargain ain't the option now, so I'm stressing. Cost me more to be free than a life in the pen. Making money off a of cuss word. Writing again, learn how to think ahead. So I fight with my pen. Late night, down sunset, like in the sin. What's the worst they can do to a nigga? Got me lost in hell to live and die in the lane on oh, bail. My angels. <laughs> South Central LA, can't get no stranger Full of drama like a soap opera On the curb, watching the Kettlebird helicopters I observe so many niggas getting three strikes Tossed from jail, I sweat up here right across from hell I can't drop, cause it's home now I'm just a nigga on his own now Living life, thug style so I can't smile, right into my people's when they ask for pictures Thinking Cali just fun and bitches <laughs> Better learn about the dress code B's and C's All them other niggas copycats, these is G's I love Cali like I love women Cause every nigga in L.A. got a little bit of thug in him We might fight amongst each other, but I promise you this We'll burn this bitch down, get us pissed To live and die in L.A.